No one has been more transformational in my thinking over the last few years than Franciscan priest Father Richard Rohr. I had the wonderful opportunity to interview him back in 2016. And at that time, this podcast was in its infancy, and we didn't really know where we were going. But that interview sent us on a trajectory uh, that has been good, true, and beautiful, and we have not looked back since. So we found out this week that iTunes and other uh, mediums only allow you to post 100 episodes at a time. And we realized this brilliant, wonderful, uh, love-packed conversation was not available for our listeners. Um, and we said, we just can't let that be. So uh, we're going to run something on repeat for the first time. And uh, with that being said, once again, my 2016 interview with Father Richard Rohr. Father Rohr, I, one of my questions that I had for you that I um, always love to ask people is if they have any any morning rituals that they do to kind of prepare them, center themselves before they really move into the action of their days. Um, is do, do you have any practices that you do? Well, you know, let me put them in different stages. In my early life, when I was in formation to be a Franciscan, we had a very disciplined you know, waking up and going to chapel and chanting the psalms in the course of the week, we would chant all 150, and we'd kneel in wow. silence for 15 minutes. Um, and I think, actually, the discipline of that was a very good start. Now, when I more, in my later years, discovered contemplation, really the last 30 years, I guess, uh, my practice now, I live in a little tiny house, I call it my hermitage, mm. uh, behind the Franciscan community, which is a little ways from here. Uh, and so I get up early, usually uh, uh, light a little candle, mm. and try to sit in silence for anywhere from 15 minutes to half an hour. Mm. Now, sometimes if my head is really dead, which is often enough, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I will... Uh, try to read a spiritual book to get my heart stirred or a scripture. Uh, but certainly I, I don't turn on any television or anything that would keep me from sort of centering in and being quiet. Right, right. And so in, in that stillness, um, is, there, is there a moment where you know you've got it? Where, where you've hit that point where you can say, I can start now. <laughs> I can start my day. You know, if I'd be honest, Ashton, that isn't usual. Yeah. There are those wonderful days. Maybe it's one out of six hmm. uh, where it just it gels. And I, yes, I'm in sync. I'm connected. I'm mm -hmm. content. I, I'm uh, in love, however you want to place it. Yeah. But most days, it's I, you, you always wonder, was it, uh, did I not get enough sleep? Did I have bad dreams? Or right. uh, didn't I eat right? But some days you just wake up where uh, you feel negative or mm -hmm. you feel uh, confused or irritated, something like that. Right. And those are the times, and perhaps that's what you're referring to, where I really have to wait for yes, yep. as I put it. There it is. I have to wait till I stop resisting and critiquing the moment and the day and what's ahead of me and can just say uh, what it is 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 good yeah. and is okay. And I can give myself to it. Yeah. But that isn't the typical day. Most days are the resistance more than the, the immediate yes. Right. Right. Yeah. Now, in in one of the interviews or or a message that I've listened to, to yours a number of times, you talk about um, how if you don't start with a yes, yes. It, it's kind of hard to ever get back there. <laughs> it really is. You know, I when I've said that to crowds over the years. I'm amazed how many people nod. Mm -hmm. So it must be a fairly common recognition that mm -hmm. if you start in any way negative, problematic, picking on yourself or anybody else, mm -hmm. uh, 
boy, to switch that around, that's like a 180 degree turn, you know, and, and the emotions and the mind just doesn't want to make that turn very often. Right. So I think you're right. Yeah. And, and, and that's with people, that's with moments (laughs) and that's with ourselves. Yeah, of course. Yes. (laughs) So true. Well, you understand a lot for a young man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, that's beautiful. I, 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 I've found being fairly new kind of to the, what I would call contemplative movement of trying to start at that. Yes. Each day, um, really, really lays it, it by no mean lays a perfect day ahead of me, but it definitely starts, starts me in a beautiful place. That your attitude toward it, even when you probably know it isn't going to be perfect, right? Your attitude toward it knows that you can deal with it positively and lovingly. Yep. So Very good. good. So good. Okay. So one of the, I think the biggest Eureka aha moment I've had with um, your teachings and writings has, has been on the concept of true self, false self. Oh, um, okay. And now being on this side of it, um, I know that about two or three years ago, I, I think I had my defining moment of uh, the ego dying uh, and, and resurrecting into the true self. Um, it was just, I was living out of the false self and, and was finding, you know, my, uh, worthiness in the false self, um, in my job and in different roles. And, and that can only take us so far. Um, and so I, I come across your words of the true self and the false self in Immortal Diamond, and it was like I finally had lyrics to the song that I'd been feeling in my bones for two years. Wow, beautiful. That makes me happy. Oh, so it did. So yeah. so for, for maybe someone that has never heard these words or this idea or the concept of the true self and the false self, how would you begin to open someone's eyes to your teachings mm-hmm. in this in this realm? Well, start with where I first acquired that particular language, and it was from the great Thomas Merton. Oh, Perhaps you've read, you've read some of him. I'm in No Man is an Island right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> I started reading him when I was in high school in the late 50s. Wow. He was still alive uh, in Kentucky at that time. But for so many of us, uh, he would have turned 101 just this last mm-hmm. week. For so many of us, he's he's just the consummate uh, spiritual Christian teacher who puts together so many things. He does. And he struggled, as many Christians have, with that line in Jesus. I think it's found in most of the synoptic Gospels, where Jesus says you have to lose yourself to find yourself. It's, yeah. it's formulated in different translations. But you naturally say, is he just talking double talk? <laughs> or, you know, is he trying to make it difficult? <laughs> right. So you have to, and Merton did very well, okay, what is the self we have to lose, and what is the self we had, have to find? Mm. Now, he looked at Christian history, and he rightly recognized that by and large, and we Catholics started this stuff, but we had a rather platonic, uh, uh, referring to Plato, of course, Plato had body and soul as mortal enemies, right? Gotcha. They were in contradistinction to one another. Plato so formed the Western mind that we largely read the gospel, not through the eyes of Jesus, but through the eyes of Plato without realizing it, because <laughs> it was just in Western consciousness. Right. Bo- body is bad and spirit is good. Mm-hmm. And much that Paul says, to be very honest, and I'm a great student of Paul, I love Paul, but he did make flesh a bad word and spirit a good word. Mm-hmm. So it got us on a really bad path. Now that's a real quick course in theology, but <laughs> but that's what Merton was up against. And he said, we've just got to get rid of this idea that the self we have to die to is the body self. Mm. And that for some wonderful reason, if you punish your body a little bit, uh, you're gonna, your spirit's going to naturally emerge. And he said, why don't we try the language of true self and false self? Because uh, you can be true in your body, and you can be 
uh, true in your spirit, and you can be false in your body and false in your spirit. So uh, you see, it reframes yeah. the holy uh, the whole equation. Right now, now how I use it in my books, like Immortal Diamond, is building on that and trying to say that uh, your false self. I hope I made it clear, is not your bad self. It's just your starter kit. You know? right. It's your psychologically created, culturally created identity. You've got to do it. It's much worse if you don't create an identity, even if it's provisional, even if it's relative. Right. So like you and I grew up in America, we called ourselves Americans. Uh, we both grew up male. We defined ourselves as male. Uh you know, a Christian, or whatever names you want to take to yourself. All of those are good, but they're just words. Mm-hmm. You see? Yeah. They're just manufactured words that we gather our energy around, and we take them quite seriously. And then you go away and get an education or an occupation and define yourself by that. As I say in the book, Falling Upward, did you read that one? Or yep, you abs- absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're terrible. All right. As, as I say, then that's pretty much the task of the first half of life. You've yeah. got to do it. Yeah, yeah. But then the great paradox of paradoxes, and that's why Jesus speaks to it so strongly, I think, is that the very thing that you you so meticulously constructed and defended and promoted, who you are, that's the very thing that is now in the way. Mm. (laughs) That's what you mean by loving yourself and why... Uh, that loving you're in the bad way, bad sense. Right, you know? right. And because what you love is, in the final analysis, of little consequence. You know, like uh, the, the badges we take. I'm a Catholic. I'm a priest. I'm a Franciscan. I'm educated. I'm a public speaker. Uh, all of that's going to die when I mm-hmm. die. You know? yeah. <laughs> Even though it makes me feel very important right now. Now, when you can die before you die, yep. which is which is what the great spiritual teachers are always talking about, you see through the pretensions of your false self. Mm. You don't hate them, but little by little, I'm about to turn 73. As I get older and older, I hold less and less grasp onto these things, right. you know? Yeah. I just realize, who cares? It's all going to die in a few years anyway. <laughs> I want to know who I am beyond that, before yeah. that, beneath that. Wow. That's the true self, right? And that's who you are in God from all eternity, who God created uh, in the mind of God from the beginning. And we have no control over that. That's mm. just given. Mm. <laughs> so good. So it, it's a great piece to discover your true self because you can stop trying so hard. Yeah. Even though there's nothing wrong. Like you're a young man, you've got two girls to raise. You've got to try hard to you know, right. provide for them and so forth. But you will see that that's just your role. Yeah. It's not yourself. That's yourself. right. Yeah. Uh-huh. And you can't make it your boast. No, you know? no, you just you can't. Very well put. I mean, I think I think that that's. Uh, I, I mean, I guess I got it at a pretty young age, and I, I feel fortunate to have had um, the moment. But it wasn't an easy. It, this was not an easy thing to get for me. Uh, a lot had to die uh, yeah. to to really get to the other side and to the true self. I, I often say, in places where I get to teach. Um, that one of the hardest things we'll ever do is become who we were originally whispered to be. Of course. Um, become who you really are. Yeah, yeah. yeah get... And the other thing is, once you recognize it, Ashton, you re- you stop this whole de- game of competing and comparing. Yes. Because everybody else has the same identical true self. Yes. And so issues like race and nationality and sexual orientation and money and class, it's just, who cares, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're all false self. They're it's false, false self. self. They're, yeah, they're numer- right. numerically driven, you know? 
yes very good i have more yeah. you have i have more you have less um and and it, oh, it, so it, silly. it's so silly but then on this other side of true self you move into wonder and joy and the mystery which we'll get to here in a little bit okay um, good. so so good so good i this is i'm so excited <laughs> you're uh, so good i think it takes good people to see good stuff so thank you Go ahead. <laughs> so uh one of the uh and, and I love your, your metaphors that you bring to life in order for us to understand the gospel and our true selves. And one of the things you say is that starting maybe a handful of centuries ago, uh, our beliefs moved from our chest up into our head. Everything became heady. Yes, yes, um, yes. And, and you say that we need to get back down into our chest. Um, would you say that, that that's a bodily metaphor for for leaving the false self and moving into our true self yeah you know um, don't get tied not that you were but to any one word like chest some would say heart some okay. would say solar plexus or body yes the whole thing is just to get out of your head right and to localize in your center in your core where you know things at a cellular level mm-hmm. it's it's much more an intuitive full body knowing mm-hmm. uh, that includes the heart, includes the head. Mm-hmm. We don't want to be anti-head. You and I couldn't be talking intelligently, I hope we are, <laughs> if we weren't using our heads, right. you know? Right. So we don't want to make the head a bad thing. But ever since the Enlightenment, which is 17th, 18th centuries in Europe, where we started idealizing a certain way of knowing called rational knowing, that has localized us in the top three inches of our body now for about three centuries. Right. And now it's had many good effects. The scientific revolution, the medical revolution, the industrial revolution, uh, these are all good things for humanity. But they were steered in a very mechanical, rational way, and so many other parts of the human person were allowed to wither and even die. Mm-hmm. And and I think we're seeing this in our country, the amount of mental illness, emotional distress, unhappy people, addicted people. That's not just happening by accident. Yeah. We're, we're a, a people who no longer know how to be fully present <laughs> and to be fully present to the moment and to our experience, which is to know it. Yeah. Your body has to be there, your heart has to be there, and your head has to be there, and your soul. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So that just triggered in my head an Eckhart Tolle riff in, in The Power of Now, where he says that we have to get, we have to move away from, from just being the seer and to get to that point of us that's the knower. Yeah, um, okay. You know, and, and, I, and I read that, a couple months ago, and I thought that's such a that was a beautiful way for him to get to the the true self conversation, is that in the head we we kind of deal with everything that we see or the illusions and labels that we give things, but there's a there's a deep deep knower, the true self, the soul inside of all of us, um, and getting back there is the true chore of the modern day. I think. Yes, let me come at what you're saying. Uh, just in a little different way. I'm not in any way disagreeing with it. But, you know, there's more and more evidence that what we mean by consciousness is a shared reality. It's it's something you plug into. It isn't a secretion of the brain. I don't become a conscious person by going off to college. A very simple person can be plugged in to this deep knowing, as you just called it. And that's what Eckhart Tolle and so many others are, are talking about so well these days. This, uh, you, can, you can simply tell people who are plugged in, they're connected, they're yep. more compassionate, they're, yep. they're more patient. They, uh, uh, it's, it's a, and, and you recognize other people who are in the same place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if, 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 yeah. if someone's life is full of kindness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control and love, they're plugged in. There you go. Well, <laughs> well you named the fruits of the Spirit. Right. And see, 
when when we talk about the Holy Spirit in the Christian world, we're talking about consciousness. Right? Wow. I know some Christians are scared by that language. Wow. They think I'm I'm trying to be pagan or secular or psychological. No, I'm just trying to be real. The the Holy Spirit is real. Yeah. <laughs> and and the secular world has come to the same phenomenal knowing from on a different level of understanding or different vocabulary. Right. But just as the Holy Spirit is shared, consciousness is shared. And wow. uh and the, the fruits uh you just listed them there from Galatians, you yeah. know. They're the same and and you'll recognize them immediately yes. in another person who is plugged in at that at that level. Wow. That was that's a big moment for me. The the Holy Spirit we are talking about consciousness. Yeah, wow. you know, I uh, that's, it is. It's, that's it's a, that's a big that, that's deep and wide. I'm sitting here going, okay, I'm, I can yeah. run with that for a little bit. <laughs> In one of my books, I talk about the Holy Spirit as a force field. Mm. Do you remember that? Yeah. I don't know which book that was yeah. in, but uh, I remember. Uh, oh. I was writing it, and then I had doubts about it, hmm. and then I downloaded a, a, something that someone had sent me right while I was working on the computer, and it was a German theologian, a very, uh, you know, brilliant German theologian, and the title of his paper was The Holy Spirit as a Force Field, the very what? thing I had just written. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I took that as Richard. You're not crazy. Right. You're not a heretic. You're not. You're not on the wrong track. Of course, the Holy Spirit is a force field, and when people are plugged into that same force field, they can be of a different religion even. And mm. I can tell because I will see those same fruits of the Holy Spirit that you just mentioned: love, joy, peace, patience kindness, gentleness, and self-control. Wow. So you're right on the right target. Taking the true self, false self a little bit further, um, since it appears that so few people leave the false self, um, Yep. And and I don't know if I'm asking this right, so help help me here a little no, bit. No, you're off to a good start. Um, Go ahead. Does does yep. this could it be that for some reason we actually fear moving into and walking out and living out our true selves? Yeah. See, the handles we've given ourselves for so many years, it's largely just a matter of habituation and practice. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. and when you when you rise up thinking of yourself as this or that it's the only handle you've ever had on yourself that's why again it isn't bad or god doesn't hate it it's just so inadequate to the great identity that you share with god and with the rest of humanity so uh, we are attached to it and of course you know does it say in the acts of the apostles at one point where those who first hear the gospel or about the talk of the Holy Spirit said, we never knew there was such a thing as a Holy Spirit, you know. <laughs> I, I think most people could say, I never knew there was such a thing mm. as a true self. Do you mm. understand? Yeah. <laughs> they think what they're doing is saving uh, their false self, I guess, by going to church and reading the Bible, right. which are, go- right. are good things, that's fine. But... Uh, no, you got to die to that altogether. Mm. And that's why Jesus is so direct and so strong on the point that it, you have to die to it. You have to let go of it. Yeah, if if the grain of, if the seed doesn't die. Yes, yes, John 12, yeah. exactly. Wow, so good. Well, well um, you're, you're ready for it, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> but you're so much more happy and peaceful. Oh, when you I can mean, live in the true self. It, well, you you are. You yeah. you feel like I I don't I can't even come up with a number for the weight that comes off of your shoulders. Yes, yes, yes. Well put. And you 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 become so present to presence as you've put it before. Mm-hmm. Um and and you don't get caught up in all of this riffraff. Um, yeah, that yeah. 
that most people kind of make their the, the election. I mean, it is 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 one thing where I've kind of just said, eh, you know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, you, grasping for identity, right, right, which you, is usually grasping for a strong opinion yeah. about this or that or something else. Yeah, you know? yeah and then and you, you do. You're just tired of it at my age because you've seen so many strong opinions come and go, come and go, come and go. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, good. Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, moving into this next kind of movement of true self, false self, you you often say um, that we do not think ourselves into new ways of living, but we live ourselves into new ways of thinking. Yes. Um. And and I think that is that's going to be a huge idea for maybe some of our listeners to hear today. Um. Because you may not trust the, the, if you don't experience and walk out the true self, you don't know the beauty that's down the road. So you may not trust it. Mm-hmm. Be, being so connected to your false self. Yes. H- how do you, how do you live it first before mm-hmm. th- thinking in the false self yeah. first? How do you change that reflex? You know, uh, People who grow and people who keep growing are people, quite frankly, this is going to sound almost too practical, but are people who move outside of their comfort zone. Mm. And that's what I mean by, uh, you know, uh, living yourself into a new way of thinking, Mm -hmm. that your lifestyle has to be something beyond living behind your own self-created white picket fence, whatever your white picket fence is, you know. Your little world of other white Christians from New Mexico, where I live, uh, uh, who are middle class and comfortable and all vote the same way. I mean, you could just be pretty sure if that's your chosen and defended world, mm-hmm. uh, you're not going to get very far. Yeah, right. <laughs> you're going to know very little and think that that little is big. Right. It isn't. It's very little. It's very little. And, uh, we live in a country that operates this way because it's the trouble of being born in the empire. Mm. You know, when you're in the country that thinks it's the center of the world. And of course, I was born Catholic and we thought we were the real Christians. All the rest of you who came along were heretics. And then we find out you think we're heretics. <laughs> it's just throwing sticks back and forth that don't mean anything, you right, know? Right. Yeah, who cares? Well that's just the ego speaking. Yeah. That's not God speaking. Right. Yeah. So there's so, there's uh, living beauty. living changes your knowing. Mm. If you start with knowing uh, you know, all that gets through your your filter is pretty much, we can prove this, is what you already agree with, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. <laughs> what, the things that threaten you, which might just be the things that would enlarge you, they don't even get in. Mm-hmm. So you can say many people basically stop growing by the time they're 20. They've got their filters in place of what truth is, And uh, they wouldn't think of, you know, uh, learning from a black poor person or a gay person or a non-Christian person. Uh, And that's the only way they're ever going to see God at any broad level. Wow. So change is something we should get used to if we want to grow. You know, that's Jesus' first word in two of the Gospels. It's usually, I don't know, in your Bible translation— in many of ours, it was translated repent right. and believe the good news. Right. But the word repent is just, it's so loaded with churchy connotations now uh, that it's largely useless. The word metanoia in Greek literally means turn your mind around, hmm. you know? Just, so you just said it. Our word for that is change or right. change your mind. You right. know? So when you say repent, Everybody thinks, well, I should give up my Playboy magazines or something. You know, it's it's not, it's not change your whole mind, the whole way you think about reality. So Jesus set us on a course of change, right? Uh, and it's it's so strange that Western Christianity, religion in general, became a love of the status quo. Hmm. 
Hmm. The love of not changing, you know, hmm. <laughs> when Jesus starts with a call to change. To change. Yeah, thank wow. you. I'm wow. glad you heard that. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> so, um, one of, one of the scriptures that has ha, was puzzling to me for a long time, but I think I'm trying to grab a little bit more of a understanding of it, was when Paul said that we are hidden with Christ in God. Well, Colossians, yes. So, and I love how Colossians starts and just saying, you know, this is the image of the invisible God and that holds it all together. And I mean, it, it's very good. It's so good. Um, does does that mean that our true selves it, is something that we find, or is it something that we're awakened to? And is it, it both? Is it, is it both? <laughs> find? Did yeah, you say yeah, find? yeah, find. Is it something we have yeah, to go well, find? Yeah, well, you could say find, and you could say awaken to. You, what you wouldn't want to say is create it. Mm. You do not create your true self. You awaken to it, you fall into it, you discover it, you allow it. Those are all good verbs. But yeah. we were given the impression that by being moral or pious or churchy or scriptural, depending on your denomination, uh, that you would somehow manufacture this holy identity. It was uh, sort of a capitalist version of Christianity, something yeah. you could achieve or work up to. Right. But you used good words. You awaken to it. Yeah. You discover it. Yeah. Beautiful. It's already there. Beautiful. So, so help me then... Hold my hand with this being hidden with Christ. Okay. The Christ mystery is really the universal mystery. It's mm-hmm. that matter and spirit are operating as one. Mm. Spirit is revealed to the material universe. I'm looking out my window right now at some lovely trees in my yard. Uh, it's a bright, sunny day here in New Mexico. This physical universe is radiating spirit, the divine, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And those aren't separate. Now, that became personified in the person of Jesus Christ. But do you see why Paul, uh, he uses the word a number of times, would speak of this as being hidden? Right. It, uh, here, I'm looking at it right now, but I don't need to see it. It can just look like trees and sky, you know? Uh, and my dog in the yard. That's all. But yeah. but when I have when I, when I join the eyes of Christ and look out from and with the eyes of Christ, when I'm hidden with Christ in God, uh, that would be the supreme seeing. Hmm. So it, it, the mystery is perfectly hidden. But to, once you learn how to see, it's perfectly revealed everywhere, all the time. Right, right. Yeah, everywhere, all the time. So I love when Paul uses phrases like that, and yeah. he uses them a lot. Yeah, he sure does. I mean, and, yeah, and, yeah. You can tell he's discovered the mystery little by little. You know, his single biggest, most common phrase is "en Christo" in Christ, mm. and that's his code word. For when you're you're looking out at reality from a shared participatory set of eyes, that right. they're the eyes of Christ, but they're your eyes, and they're the eyes of your neighbor too. Now, it takes <laughs> most of us a while to put all that together, but that's where the Spirit leads you. I can assure you. Yeah. Wow, yeah. so good. I mean that, and it's it is so good. It, it really is. It really is so good. I mean, it's where. Our humanity meets divinity, you know? Yeah, of course, sure. Yeah, and it's it's now we're not a competing religion with another religion. What makes our religion the true religion, if you need to say that, is is that we can see Christ in everybody. Mm. <laughs> that I can see Christ in my Jewish brothers and sisters, my yeah. Hindu, Muslim brothers and sisters. That's what makes me the universal christ yeah that i'm not small and divided uh it's so surprising to me that more people don't don't see that you had a moment maybe it was in the online um class i took of immortal diamond where you were teaching and you you for about 30 seconds just went around the room and were pointing 
at each person oh. saying, you know, image of God, image of God, image of God. Image of God. Yeah. And I was like, oh, boy. It was one of those moments where I just kind of need to take a lap around the house because I was oh, like, this, this is that. That's what we need to hear today. Of course. And when course. you're and when you're awakened to that reality, you lose you, all of a sudden. There's just one label that matters in that moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, thank you. That speaks well for your readiness. Well, that was huge That's for amazing. me. Amazing. Yeah. Um, you so, know, it's not what's said; it's the readiness of the soul to hear what's said. Hmm. And you sound like a young man with a very ready soul. So thank you. Thank you. Well, it says more about you than me. I'd... <laughs> um, so you've spoken before about when we awaken, when, when our little I am awakens mm-hmm. to its reality in the great I am. The great I am. Mm-hmm. And when Jacob says, you were here all the time, and I never knew it. And I never knew it. <laughs> yes. Um, and the same, I guess the same thing happened with Moses at the burning bush. Sure, um, sure, of course. You know, it wasn't that the ground became holy, it's that the ground was always holy. Yeah, and and what you eventually see is the whole world is the burning bush. The, the oh, burning wow. bush is the <laughs> metaphor for everything, you know, <laughs> that it's all blazing and not destroyed. But most of us can't see it. When we do learn to see it, mm. we take off our shoes and mm. kiss the ground. Yeah. Well, I'm raising yeah. my hands in victory right now. Oh, just, just, you're just beautiful. Hearing that. <laughs> that is the whole world is a burning bush. Of course, yeah. <laughs> and you know wow. that how valuable that makes our moments. I know, I know, I know. I mean it, it, it all of a sudden makes a a it turns a day into a thousand moments sure, of burning bushes. Sure, sure. Well, you're a little Whoa. mystic in the making. You're <laughs> God, that's wonderful. <laughs> See, this way you talk when you get to the big seeing, and to other people they think you're exaggerating or yeah. poetry or or you're nuts. I don't know what they think, but yeah. <laughs> the language at that level becomes amazingly similar. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That was good. That that was worth it just there. This oh, conversation was you. worth it. Okay. Thank you. So, so let's talk about then the, the now and presence. And, you know, I love how Jesus, he, he shows up on the scene and he says, hey, have you, have you, have you looked at the birds lately? Have you, mm-hmm. have you checked out the flowers? Have you checked Perfect. out the flowers in a while? Yes, yes. Um, and yet, shame and guilt pulls us into our past mm-hmm. and anxiety mm-hmm. pulls us into the unknown future. Um, what are what are Richard Rohr's practices for entering and being with the now? Well, remember, I've had a lot of years yeah. to develop different ones and to build on previous ones. Uh, I have to say, in some ways, I, I'm... You know, you don't need to be as disciplined as you get older, because hmm. you've sort of internalized the discipline. Gotcha. Uh, in, in other words, uh, it's just always trying to to be present while I'm walking down the steps, while I'm, you know, taking a shower, whatever it is I'm doing. That this moment is as perfect as it can be. Hmm. Everything I need is right here, right now. Before I fix it, before I understand it, before I explain it. Uh, then I can enjoy it and fall into it. Hmm. So it really does come down to the practice of the presence of God, mm-hmm. which is, I'm glad you mentioned Eckhart Tolle, because what, and I wrote him thanking him for his writing. That's huge. He took the ancient tradition of contemplation, which we Catholics used to call the grace of the present moment or the sacrament of the present moment. Um, And he communicated it in a rather secular language, psychological language, that the Western person could understand without signing up for Christianity. They could learn how to see. Do you understand? Right, yeah. And then you you take the seeing. God will take it from there, whatever he wants them to see. Right. So it's largely, without any doubt, the practice of... uh, living in the presence of God, which is the presence of everything. Right. <laughs> They're the same thing. 
now, I'm not saying I succeed at it all the time. Sure. I mean, I get pulled like you do into emotions, hurt feelings, irritations on the highway or whatever it might be. And I've got to, again and again, pull myself back into my true self because mm-hmm. I lose it a hundred times a day. Just, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm no <laughs> different than anybody else, <laughs> you know, but now I've had enough home base experience to know what my home base is yeah, and to know, to know how to go back there. And you, you know, and it, and it seems like for me, my experience was, um, you would kind of have those still fully present moments about once a day. Uh, initially, when I first noticed how much mm-hmm. of it I was missing, how how, how mm-hmm. absent I was from presence. Yeah. Um, but but now, you you kind of develop a radar to yeah. to say and hey, there's this is this is more than just a conversation. This is more than just a meal. This is more than just mm. someone that's needing to cry mm-hmm. on your shoulder. This is more than just mm-hmm. a song with all four yeah. windows down in your car. This yeah. is a, this, this is it. <laughs> this, this is it. This yeah. is it. I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. When time comes to a fullness, this is it. This yeah. Is, this is as good as it gets, you know? And what you'll find is, you know, you can still enjoy things for the sake of your kids or sure. your wife or, but it'll take less and less to make you happy. Yeah. You don't need to go to Disneyland. You don't yeah. need to go to to a rock concert. You right. don't need to have spectacular music playing to to feel good. You know. Right. It's yeah. It's such a gift. <laughs> it was it was a moment. Um, just a busy day a couple months ago, and literally, the wind just kind of danced right across my cheek, and it and it <sighs> stopped me in my shoes. And, and and it was this, what I'll now call a burning bush, um, yeah, where it was yeah. just in the middle of my day. It was probably one thirty-two p.m. Nothing unusual, but it was like, mm-hmm. I'm yeah. here. I'm I'm here. Mm-hmm. I'm in the now. And it was this transcendent. Mo- I guess transcendent is the is the word I'm getting at. Is the word sure um, it is yeah. That's when time comes to a fullness, and it often happens as it did for you just there completely unprepared for un mm-hmm. you know <laughs> it's just out of nowhere i'm sure that's why so many of the metaphors of the holy spirit were like doves descending and fire descending and right. water flowing and wind blowing yeah. and you literally had a, a wind blowing experience <laughs> that's great absolutely yeah, yeah beautiful I think we kind of answered that question of how we become present to the presence. I mean, we just, I, I tell you, I've, I've started doing a centering prayer that, um, where I ask for awareness, um, uh, you know, asking God, keep me awake, keep me aware, keep me, uh, in tune to the divine electricity that's moving through every moment. Um, would, would you say that, I know how you start your day kind of in that in, in that stillness set. Yeah. D- does that help you stay in tune to the present moment? There's almost no other way. Now, again, sometimes it comes as a grace from nowhere. Hmm. But most days you're going to have to work at it a little bit uh, to refocus, to let go of the irritants and the negativity. You know, I just learned from neuroscience that I've been saying this in several places, uh, but that they can prove now that negativity, anger, fear, hatred is is like Velcro. It just grabs on to the Whoa. neurons. Whoa. Yeah. And positive, loving, happy, graceful thoughts are like Teflon. They just slide away. And if you think of that, you've had, I'm sure, I mm-hmm. hope, many happy moments in your life. But if you don't savor them, yeah. the neuroscientists say, even as much as a minimum of 15 seconds, you've got to consciously choose to enjoy something, to savor something, to be happy, or uh, most happiness slides away very quickly. Wow. Whereas 
Where not that something? Uh, and negativity grabs you. You know, if someone did you wrong, you can play that out for three days, as you know. <laughs> <laughs> Just over and over and over again. What a waste of time. But we all do it. So I'm going to keep quoting this because for a yeah. lot of people, because we've been raised with a more scientific uh, bent, I guess, Sometimes they just think you're quoting scriptures. Mm. But when you say, no, this is the way reality works, <laughs> and that's what the scriptures are talking about, the way reality works. Right. A lot of people can hear you who wouldn't listen to a preacher otherwise. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So joy, joy is covered in Teflon. Yeah. <laughs> you, have to, you have to choose... Mm. Uh, you know, when you look at your little girls, I'm sure mm-hmm. you feel that. Mm-hmm. But you have to consciously choose to feel it, enjoy it, savor it, as I said, for yeah. a minimum of 15 conscious seconds. Yeah. And then it's imprinted. Yeah. Then it's imprinted. Can you realize, I'm sure you do, how many people's lives could be changed if they would just learn to do that? Oh. I mean, you listen to our political debate, and there's so much anger, so much hatred in our country. It just makes you want to cry, but it's not even their fault, I don't think. No one's given them any spiritual practices or taught them any spiritual practices. Well, and I I mean, just the the word picture that you've given with Velcro connected to anger and remorse and, Uh uh, I mean, that's a huge idea. It, that's a huge idea. And it's or, or a huge. It's a huge truth. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Yes. That wow. And so the, I mean, I guess we could say it another way. The, the aroma of joy is just enough for the moment. It, yeah, it, it does um, satisfy us, but yeah. we don't know yeah. how to savor it. We don't know how to savor it. Almost as if we can't believe it's true, or it's too good to be too true, good to be or, true. Yeah, too good to be true, and and okay, now I'll get back to what I'm irritated about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll spend 20 minutes with that. Right. I mean, it's like, do we want to be unhappy? Yeah. It, do we want to? It's almost demonic. Yeah. Do we want to be unhappy? It, it feels like, I don't think they know they're doing it, but a lot of people have a program for unhappiness. Mm. They really do. <laughs> It's such a shame they don't know the real gospel. Yeah. yeah. One of one of the things that I've done is each day I have kind of a this sheet of paper, and I hate calling it a checklist because it feels like it turns into an obligation. It's not, but it I call it my, my sheet music. And, uh-huh. and what it does is it keeps me in tune and in rhythm with with how I need to be present in my days. And one of the things that I have on there is... I have to take note of five times in a day where I experience some form of gratitude. Well, that's perfect. You're and, moving in that direction. Yeah, yeah, and so so when you when you notice five, you notice fifty. You know, I mean, it's like it all of a sudden you it multiplies. What, what we uh, look for, we find. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, what and, you seek is what you get. Yeah, yep, what you seek is good. what you get. So I'm I'm. Wow, I'm going to wrestle with that joy and Teflon and Velcro for a while. That's beautiful. Thank you for that. Well, you're welcome. You appreciate everything. I don't need to worry about you. <laughs> you grab on to good things. <laughs> and you, what did you say? You were 33? 33. Yes, sir. Oh, that's the magical year of yep. crucifixion and resurrection. Right, so. right. That's the path. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, uh, in... I downloaded one of your true self, false self. I think it was a retreat or a weekend seminar or something that you did. Mm-hmm. Um, and in one of your sessions, you mentioned uh, when when we aren't present, then we become half-hearted people. Basically, was kind of how you phrased yeah. that, and that that, uh, yeah. that that half-heartedness is actually what leads to what we call in the world burnout. Yes, yes. The most burnout. Is not because people work too hard. I mean, there is such a thing as working too hard. But when your whole heart is in something, you don't get tired. Mm -hmm. You don't. You know, uh, it's just, I want to do more of it. You know, you're energized by the action itself. But what wears you out 
and you'll understand this metaphor, when you have one foot on the accelerator and one on the brake. Yep. That's half-heartedness. Yep. I'm here, but oh, dang it, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. You know. Well, yeah, you'll get tired in 10 minutes. Uh, but whatever you can do with full passion, with full surrender, with full caring, uh, won't, uh, you normally will not wear you out. You won't right. get tired. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, that's where three years ago my my burnout happened. I knew that the exterior world was not mirroring the interior world, or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took a trip to the hospital to understand it, to, to get that awakening to, hey, you're just not, you're not even here, man. You're not even, mm-hmm. you, you, you're, you're experiencing these illusions. Yes. And finally, I got to tap into reality and, mm-hmm. and, and the thing is, once you've tasted that, you kind of can't go back. You can't. You, if you do, that's the first time you've probably really sinned. That's sin. I would say most oh, people wow. aren't sinful. They're just stupid. They don't know. <laughs> they don't know any better. Do you understand? But yes. now, after the moments where you know what the real is, what the truthful is. Then for you to choose garbage again, would that would really be stupid and, and sinful? Do you understand? Yes. Yeah. Um, but I, I can totally identify with that. I, I have had so many wonderful, graced moments in our life, and yet I still will operate in certain moments and days and ways that I'm ashamed of. I say, that wasn't wholehearted, or that wasn't mm. loving, or why are you resenting that person, or... Mm. Why in your mind are you judging that person? So um, hmm. we and, never live up to it a hundred percent. Only God does. Yeah. Only God. Right. <laughs> and 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 I love how you say that. You know, it's you, you move forward, and then you move backwards. It's part. Yes, you, you, you yes, don't. You right. don't live. I mean, I think to flag the, the flag the false self is a huge feat in itself. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, it's major. Yeah. You've got to learn to recognize its character and right. its disguises and yes. its games. And that, you'll get better at that the longer you live. You mm-hmm. just, you see your little inner games that you play. Mm-hmm. So I want to read this quote um, that was in Immortal Diamond, I believe. It said, people who have had any genuine spiritual experience always know that they don't know. They are, yeah. ut- they are utterly humbled before mystery. They are in yeah. awe before the abyss of it all, in wonder at eternity and depth, and a love which is incomprehensible to the mind. Mm. What? In... In a world powered by answers, the right answers, spreadsheets, and algorithms, how do we hold on to the mystery and bring it as the good news yeah. to the world? How is that the good news? Yeah. The great biblical concept of faith, Ashton, was, if you really look at all as it gradually unfolds in the scriptures, is the ability of the person to combine knowing with not knowing, right? Mm-hmm. All before uh, the cloud, the cloud of unknowing, as the medieval Catholics called it, or the, the very cloud that overshadows Moses on the mountain mm-hmm. or Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. There's always this, these wonderful symbols of half-knowing. Right. You know, when Moses passes... Uh, uh, Yahweh on in the cleft of the rock, and and he, he says, you can only see me from behind. Now, what happened, especially after the Enlightenment that we talked about at the beginning of our talk, is that we started insisting on total knowing. Hmm. That took the magic and the mystery and the transformative power out of the biblical notion of faith. Because there was no awe before wonder or mystery. Mm. You know, you take geniuses like Albert Einstein. He says, 
it's not like we should be surprised there are miracles. We should recognize everything is a miracle. Right. Now, here's a ra- highly rational physicist saying yeah. recognizing everything is a miracle. Right. Einstein was sort of a secular mystic in so many ways. Uh, but that's why I can talk that way, and you can understand that quote you just read, that once you get patient with paradox, with yes. mystery, with with things that you don't can't understand, and better, don't need to understand to appreciate. <laughs> you, you can love things without fully understanding them. You know? yes. And that's the that's a much more open hearted, open ended, full horizon way of knowing reality that was called faith. Yeah. And we haven't been teaching that for the last three centuries. Every little denomination wanted to be certain that its interpretation of Scripture was the only correct one. You see, mm. at that point, we're in a dead end. Mm-hmm. It's, nothing good's going to happen right. anymore. Really? Right. right. And we all got in this together. I'm not here to blame any one group. Right. <laughs> we all just... Uh, but it, it's why I think religion is in such a terrible position right now that we, we just haven't been doing our homework for several centuries. Yeah. yeah. And now we've got so many angry people... So many negative people, so many opinionated people, so many fearful people. Right, right. Yeah, it makes you want to cry sometimes. Well, and but you, we can do better. Yeah, well, and you mentioned, um, and correct me if I'm pronouncing this wrong, but we get the word religion from religio. Religio, uh, re- yeah, re- the word ligament. Would yeah, come li- from the same Latin root. Yeah, to li- ligament. Right yeah, to, re- reconnect. to reconnect. And yes. and yet there there's so much disconnect, um, yeah, but but yeah. but in order to connect, um, you're gonna have to embrace paradox. Yeah. And, and and that's that seems to be the big work of the church today. I think is we have to bring. Hey, when you're weak, that's when you're strong. You yeah, put the hu- one you, of the big ones. you put the human with the divine. You mm-hmm. you put the unknowing with the knowing. No. Um, You've read The Naked Now, too, haven't you? Absolutely. <laughs> God, I need to put a big button on you, you when I meet you. you <laughs> I, I am a, uh, I'm a Richard Rohr walking billboard. <laughs> You're uh, beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, th- I think for me, I think 2015, the big aha for me was um, that— that's that's what's up the sleeve of divinity is is mystery and that's where you'll wow. find that's where you'll find the beauty and where where poetry lacks symmetry that's where you'll find the beauty um, lovely 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 yes you get it yeah yeah well this i could do this all day <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is so good um so uh, talking to a guy my age what what advice would you give to your younger self? Yeah, well, you mean me really talking to my younger self? Or <laughs> uh, yeah, self? yeah, I mean, I, I, well, absolutely. Well, I can start with that. You know, I was far too earnest, and God used it all, but I, I think I, I'm such an idealist. As a young man, it took the form of zeal hmm. and over-eager and over-need to be heard and understood and all the things I preach against now they weren't what I started with I was I was a little hero you know who mm. riding on his white knight and going to save the church and save everything so I would say cool it <laughs> to my young Richard. <laughs> he just it. took himself far too seriously. Yes. And uh, now I've had such a wonderful life. I, I every day get down on my knees and thank God for how it unfolded. But, but I, I still feel, I'm sure I turned off a lot of people. I'm sure I'm unnecessarily irritated a lot of my peers because uh, I was always just... Uh, looking for the perfect, you know, mm. looking for the, the right way to do everything. Mm. 
And uh, again, it's my gift, but it's my worst fault. And you'll find that's true of all of us. Wow. Our gift and our worst fault tend to be two sides of the same coin. Wow. And when you can let go of the negative, destructive parts, uh, the fault parts, then your gift tends to blossom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so any, any young man... Uh, because we're so identified with our false self, we take our the good things we've done too seriously, and we equally condemn ourselves for the bad things. Mm. It's it's the same energy. Wow. The good stories we tell about ourselves are the bad stories we tell about ourselves. And you see so many young men in jails and psych wards who just have identified with the bad things they say about right. themselves. Right. You know? And it's equally, equally stupid. Hmm. Uh, my problem was more, you know, thinking how I was the answer to the church. <laughs> uh. I <laughs> believing the good things I had about myself. So right. God had to temper those and tame those and humble those. Wow. Humility always will serve a young man well. Yeah. Wow. Humility. You can't go wrong on the humility of Jesus. And as a Franciscan, that was a big part of mm. our spirituality. Mm-hmm. St. Francis always emphasized humility. Yeah. Yeah, I've loved I've loved that in um, Eager to Love. You've... Oh, that's the one you're reading now, yeah. Eager yeah. to Love. Yeah, that's oh, what good. I'm reading right now. I hope you like it. So, oh, Great. It's so Great. good. Um, wow. I think I'm going to write a little note to self each day that just says, cool it. so um so this the whole concept of and my reason for this podcast is it's become this what i call like an art project where we just come to chat about how do we make music with our lives not not how too many people are making noise you can make a living making noise you can build a lot of success actually making noise, um, but yeah, but yeah. true fulfillment comes from embracing paradox and participating with the mystery. And I always say that the music is the experience that is heard, felt, and seen, and the story that unfolds when one's divine identity, core consciousness, and God giftings come together, mm-hmm. come alive, and crescendo in the universe we exist in. Mm-hmm. Um, Wow, beautiful. Yeah, mu- music is always when a bunch of things together become one big lovely thing. And th- and mm, I f- and I feel mm-hmm. like that's what we're trying to do with ourselves, mm-hmm. right? Um That's well put. So the music is kind of this aftermath of bringing our true self into the world. Um when when it's all said and done, what do you want the music to have been for you in your life? Hmm. Oh, that's a big question. Well, I mean, it sounds like a cliche, but I know all I can give back to God is who I really am. Hmm. Warts and all, limitations, sin and all. And I, I hope I've, I'm able to do that, to give back to God with trust, even the faulty parts. Hmm. And and be able to trust that he would even love and forgive them. Mm. So, yeah, that's all I want to do is give back to what was given to me. Wow. And God gave an awful lot to me in terms of health and being born in this country where I had a lot of advantages and was given a wonderful education. The Franciscans taught me so much. So my remaining years is simply to, to keep handing that back. Wow. That, and if I feel I've done that, there's really no other criteria except mm-hmm. to, now you can say it in a narcissistic sounding way to be true to yourself. When you just say that, it sounds so, you know, narcissistic. Right. But in the spiritual way, it's really true that God made me made me to be me, mm. and my job is to do it to its fullness wow. and with the greatest amount of love that I can. To hand it back. And hand it back. Hand it back. Hand it back. Wow. Hand it back. That's all. Yeah. That is good. That is good. Well, you're good. <laughs> okay. So uh, I'm going to meet you face to face. Yes, huh? sir. Yeah. I, I cannot yep. wait. That is going to be um, 
a blast. I'm I'm super excited. Um, how if if uh, how can we support what you're doing? I know that I've taken online courses at the Center of Contemplation and Action. Um, what's the best way to to help support what you're doing? Well, you know, the center is doing very well these days, just by the trust of so many people. You know, why don't you just let them know our website, cac.org, C-A-C. Center C-A-C. for Action and Contemplation, cac.org, and then they can find out for themselves if this is anything they want to uh, learn from or get involved with. But. Uh, we're, we're doing well, so yeah. thank you for caring. Well, I appreciate it. I can tell um, our listeners that walking through the land of your ideas um, has has been truly, up to this point in my life, one of the most special things I've experienced here on Earth. Oh, you make me very happy, um, very happy. I'll, you make my day. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, that is not lip service by any means. I, no, um, I can tell. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I just can't... I'm, some days, some days I can't take the smile off my face because of the because of the eyes you've given me to see with. Um, Beautiful. And and that is your. This is a year of resurrection for you. Thirty-three, <laughs> perfect. Beautiful. Well, I'm ready for okay. it. Thank you so much for taking time. You're welcome. Hey, before you go, don't forget to hit subscribe right there on your phone. That's probably where you're listening. Uh, And if you enjoyed this, would you mind leaving us a review? One of the things that we're wanting to do is get this information out to as many people as we can. And we are finding that uh, when people leave good, true, and beautiful reviews, uh, that helps us get this information out more and more to people all across the world. I do not take it lightly uh, that you invite me to ride shotgun with you in your car. Uh, You allow these conversations to be a part of your jogs. You allow these conversations to be a part of the communities and families and businesses that you've been entrusted. Uh, I do not take that lightly at all, and I am thrilled uh, that you have joined us here at this table, at this conversation. There's always a seat left. There's always room for more, uh, and we are just so grateful for you guys joining us here at Good, True, and Beautiful. And as you approach this week, may you pause by the orchid. Listen to the bluebirds sing and be love.